You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network and currently sponsored by our good friends over at Pro Prep. It's been a crazy day of Arsenal news. I was saying to Mike off air that I thought that this was going to be my one day this week where I could take my foot off the gas a little bit because I've got a mad weekend coming up work-wise. And I thought, when am I going to get a day off this week? I thought, I'll tell you what, I'll chill out a little bit on Tuesday wasn't to be the case because Arsenal dropped a bombshell. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has been stripped of the Arsenal captaincy and I shared my thoughts on it at length in the earlier episode. But I've got Mike with me now, Mike Stavrou of Metro Sport, uh, freelance journalist, podcaster, podcast producer, radio guy. He does it all, uh, does Mike. Um I've got Mike with me. We're going to get Mike's thoughts. We're going to be exploring the issue a little bit deeper. And, of course, we're going to be previewing Arsenal's big game at the Emirates Stadium tomorrow night. In and amongst all of this, it's important that we don't forget that Arsenal have a huge game against West Ham United, a game that could be incredibly significant. So we're going to spend a good chunk of the show looking ahead to that one as well. But, Mike, there is only one place to start. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang stripped of the captaincy. I was very vocal in the last few days about the fact that I felt this was what needed to happen. And and I think Mikel Arteta has, has gone about it in the right way. First of all, your thoughts on Aubameyang and then we'll come on to how the managers handled it. Yeah, firstly, I mean, what a bombshell. There's no other word to really sum it up. When I read the news this morning, I saw it on Twitter, first of all, before the actual statement came out, I was like, what? Harry... You should know, mate, there's never a normal day with Arsenal. There's there's something always happening at this club. It's the size of the club. It's, you know, our fan base. It's the drama, essentially. I mean, look, and especially when it comes to captaincies, like I actually forgot for a brief second that before the stuff with Granit Xhaka, Koscielny was was the one who forced his way out, out of the club by not going on the preseason tour. I'd, there's been so much craziness at Arsenal that for some reason that slipped my mind for a second. I has to be reminded... So it is very much, if it wasn't before, a poison chalice at, at this time. But yeah, just reacting to the news. I mean, in a way, I was shocked at, at the timing. But am I shocked by the course of events? No. I mean, I think we all knew this was coming at some stage. Did we expect it now? Probably not. But given his, his sort of behavior in the past, um, given who he is and his sort of history, um, I think it was about time. I, I agree with the decision. I think Mikel Arteta has shown massive, massive balls, to be honest, to, to do this. And it will have wider implications than than just the, the captaincy. And we will discuss all of that on this show tonight. But firstly, it, it just came from a from a position of shock. But personally, my take, it is the right call. And um, yeah, we're going to see how it all pans out. What was really interesting, and I highlighted this in in the episode that we did earlier, was the wording of the statement. And in the statement, in the very first line, it says, following his latest disciplinary breach. Now, we all knew that there were some issues with with Aubameyang before. 
I know there are a lot of Arsenal fans online today that are unhappy about this, that feel as though Mikel Arteta's handled it badly and that Mikel Arteta has not thought of, as you mentioned, the wider implications of this. But if this is something that's been an ongoing issue, which you can assume it has, right? This is more than a Bamiyan coming back late from going to pick up his mum, right? That This is more than that. Yeah. I mean, surely as fans, we should be backing the manager here if indeed we're seeing kind of events like this with Aubameyang just repeating themselves time and time again. He cannot afford to be seen as a weak manager and allow this to slide regardless of who it is, right? I mean, look, I struggle to understand some fans sometimes, Harry. I think arguments can be made two and four, like the whole Mikel Arteta debate. Um, you know, I can see of the other side of it uh, to an extent. Granite Xhaka debate, you know, I can see the, the other side of it to a point. But with this one, I'm struggling to really understand um, the like what people can be upset about with, with, with this move. Um, maybe the timing of it or maybe they are sympathizing with Aubameyang because it did follow directly from him going to see his his mum and uh, that whole situation. And maybe if it was another another scenario where he's sort of come back late in in the past, not to do with a family member, um, they they would see it differently. But for me, this I'm I'm reaching here. Like these these aren't this is a consistent thing. If it would have been an isolated incident and this was the first time that that he'd done it, and you know he was he was he was uh, going to see his his mum and and bringing it bringing her back to to England. I think he was. Um, if that was an isolated incident and it never happened again, and he came out and apologised and said, you know, hold my hands up, I came back a day late. Obviously, I think this scenario would never happen. But the pure facts of the matter is, is that this is an ongoing thing. This has happened at previous clubs. Um, this has happened previously at Arsenal. These sort of disciplinary breaches, and it doesn't come as a surprise. So, I think in a way, Arteta's hand was forced. Um, I mean, I think what some people might be arguing is that could it have been dealt with in house? Well, yeah, I mean, Arsene Wenger probably would have done that, but then what you run the risk of doing is Mikata is not Arsene Wenger, he doesn't have the experience, he doesn't have the, the sort of stature that, that Wenger had. So, if you make a decision like that to sort of cover it up, essentially, what you're doing is setting the wrong, wrong precedent to the rest of the squad. Doesn't matter about about the media and and the fans because it, it wouldn't have come out. But what you're doing is is essentially undermining yourself as a manager if you let that go scot free. And uh, that's why I think he's he's made the right decision. I think he was backed into a corner, and I don't really know what else he could have done. I completely agree with you. I don't understand people who are saying that he had to keep this completely in-house. I think it's impossible to keep it completely in-house. Why? We've got Amazon there filming. You know, it might have been kept in-house for the time being, but at some point this would have come out. And I think it's important, as I said on the podcast earlier on, in these instances to get ahead of it and to to put put it out in a way that you see fit to make sure that as a football club, you have as much control and you can never have full control but as much control of the narrative as you possibly can. And so had he kept this quiet, there would have been questions asked about the fact that Aubameyang's not available. Then mm. it would have led to speculation anyway. And eventually it would have come out further down the line. So I think, yeah. I think that this needed to be dealt with head on. My question, Mike, would be, do you think that they would have been so quick to come out and talk about it had Amazon not been there? Do you think there would have been a greater effort 
from the club to try and keep this under wraps? Or do you think it's just a coincidence that Amazon's there and and that this would have been dealt with in the same way, regardless of whether there were cameras in behind the scenes or not? I don't really know the, the process of it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. So I'll just be speculating. But um, if there was a certain incident that involves a player that's quite sensitive, like the captaincy, I don't know whether... Arsenal can say to Amazon whether it's in the deal or whatever, or actually like this needs to stay in-house. Can this not be released? I don't know. I I know it is a reveal all sort of style documentary, but there's got to be some sort of line where there's like, all right, well, we don't need this coming out. And, you know, maybe like a a veto clause or I I don't know, but whatever. But I think, yeah, if they really, really wanted to, they could have got around around it um, and sort of delayed the inevitable. But even if they didn't strip him this time, I think it there would have been something down the line that that just would have happened, and he he would have fallen out of line again, um, and you know the the decision would have been made then. But because it, it we all feel I, I haven't spoken to a fan yet that's that's not said you know it it was inevitable. So at, at the end of the day, Arteta has made the decision. Now, what I find mo- most interesting about this is that, as I said earlier, it is balls to the wall from Arteta because. Let's not kid ourselves. Like he is not in a position that's particularly solid from 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 the fan point of view. Let's let, let, within the club. I think we all know they're they're backing him to to the hilt, right? And they want him to to oversee the project long time. But a lot of people are not convinced about Arteta. So to do something so divisive, he's got to have the backing of you know the people above him, of the majority of the squad at least. I, I would have thought. Um, because it's a big, big move to make. Like, because Aubameyang is a popular member of the squad. There's, there's, there's no denying that. So, to, he is risking a lot here. I think he, I think he really is. So, I think that's why I'm sort of surprised that it's, it's happened now. Um, but basically, he sort of said to, he's, he's sort of like, you know, this is what's gonna, what could the, define him. Because if you think back, like previous captain situations, how, how they've been cancelled, how they've been handled. Like, I think. Emery went about two weeks after like the, the, the whole Xhaka incident. And I'm, I'm not saying it was anything to do with that or it was, it was a direct consequence, but you know, it's all, it, it is a big, big move to make. Yeah, it, it is. It's a huge, it's a huge call. Um, and it's huge the way he's gone about it as well. And, and there was a couple of interesting moments in that press conference earlier on today where for example, he was asked if there was a way back for Aubameyang. He didn't categorically say there is. He didn't want to give that. He didn't want to give any indication as to whether or not, in his mind, the Aubameyang thing is done. We don't know if Aubameyang wants to play for Arsenal anymore. We don't know how he's feeling off the back of this. Mikel Arteta constantly batting away questions about the exchange between between him and Aubameyang when the news was broken to him. Again, refused to say anything. I think he's doing like people have criticized him over the last few days for almost airing the club's dirty laundry. I think he's done the opposite. I think he's been as transparent as you can expect him to be, but has also been quite private as well in that the details are not out there for everybody to hit, see here for everybody to yeah. know about. I think that's the right way of going about it, but you know, it's, it's one of those situations for me where I did not for a second, look at Mikel Arteta today, in his press conference, where he normally looks incredibly comfortable and and sort of, you know, on the ball and sharp. I did not look at him today and say, 
that is a man that wants to be here right now. This, as you said, he was pushed into a, a corner, backed up against the wall, put into a position that he doesn't want to be in. I do not for a second believe that Mikel Arteta was waiting for the opportunity to, to strip Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang of the captaincy. He clearly rates him, Mike. How many, you know, he picks him even when he's not in form. He's a constant in the team. He's always talked about his importance. And what really struck me was when Mikel Arteta said, the relationship between me and Aubameyang has always been very good. And that's why this hurts. So th this is a man, a manager who has been put into this position by a disobedient player at the end of the day. Mm. And, and I've got sympathy for him because not only does it, have implications in terms of maybe causes uncertainty behind the scenes and in the dressing room, but it also weakens us as a team. You know, I know that Aubameyang's not been in great form lately, but you're talking about the guy who has been our top scorer in two of the last three seasons, the guy who's been viewed by many as as our kind of talisman. And, and now we're going to have to go through a period, we don't know how long that's going to be exactly, without him. He's not involved against West Ham and, and Mikel Arteta says we need time he needs time for this to heal so you know th this is an ongoing thing now and and it's you know on the one hand we've shown that when he was dropped against Spurs we we responded and we won last season uh, when he was dropped at the weekend we responded with a really good performance against Southampton for the most part but this does have negative implications doesn't it what do you think those negative implications yeah. might be yeah, so I just think when you make a decision like that, as I've mentioned, uh, on a player of Aubameyang's popularity, like a lot of players do still look up to him, I think, because he is, you know, a distinguished professional, scored goals everywhere he's been. Might not be, you know, the ultimate professional in terms of like his antics off the pitch, which uh, have led to this situation that we're in. But I still think he is a, you know, high pedigree player that's had a, a good career. So... It would have, it would have divided some people. Like I'm, I'm sure because at, in 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 one aspect, like you're you're looking at the the captain and you're looking at this this top player, and even though he hasn't been in good form, and you're you're mates with him, and and you're thinking like he's being, he's been stripped of the captaincy. Which let's be honest, like this is this is a huge deal, and it it might not mean as much as it did, but it's got to be you know quite quite embarrassing for someone of of a Bamiyang stature to to sort of be brought down a peg like that and to actually take it off him i mean it's got to, it's got to hurt him so I, I can imagine that the people around him would have felt sympathy uh but maybe others would have thought you know this is the, this is the right move and this is a sort of move that that we needed to see but it's going to be interesting to see how it how it plays out now i don't know because someone commented on um on my post before I came on, I'd sort of posed the question, do you think it will, it will have an impact on us or not? And someone said, well, look how we played against Southampton. But to be fair, I'm not sure that this decision had been made by then. I don't know if, if the players would have known. So I think it's really hot, tough to say that for def definitively. Um, so this game against West Ham, I think, is is going to show us where, where we're at because we put in a, a huge effort against Southampton and we need to see that again. And... Um, even though I don't, I've not been amazed by Arsenal under Arteta. I think the one thing you can say is that they've never down tools and they've never given like less than than their all. And um, I don't think that's going to start anytime soon. And I think that's been the the sort of key to our to our progress. The fact that that 
sort of playing for the for the manager who's who's always been there, even if they've not always understood it or they might not have like privately agreed with how we setting the team up tactics everything like that you have to say that they've they've put it in so for me harry the way i look at it is we've under arteta wanted to get this old guard out right um and for the majority of the time we've we've done that we got rid of players like mustafi yozel uh socrates and you know all the players that were there that was sort of dead word essentially and Aubameyang was was one of the ones where you thought, okay, well, he's going to be one of the senior ones that sort of carries us through this period with the with the younger players. But I think as soon as he as he did sign that deal, his performance levels just dropped to a point where they were no longer acceptable for for the player of his stature and for the player, uh, the sort of you know notoriety that that he is at his sort of stature within the club and uh, you know in in the dressing room, he was no longer matching that. So I think it's come to a point now where a decision needs to be made. Um, he either sort of gets back in shape um, and, you know, really makes it up to everyone, the fans, the club, the the manager, the teammates, everyone, everyone, or he's going to, he's, he's going to be gone. Essentially. I think those are, those are the only two options. I don't really know what's going to happen. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how, how it plays out with him. But what do you what what do you reckon? Do you think do you think there's any hope for him, or do you think it's sort of it's done? It's a hard one because I said on on the previous episode that if it were me in charge of the team, I wouldn't completely close the door on him as a player. No, um, I'd close the door on him as a captain. I, I, there's no there's no going back on that. I just think that this team, and I've said this before at various points in the season, that I think. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's form is key in whether Arsenal can achieve what they need to achieve this season. Unfortunately, in recent weeks, that form hasn't been there. And we've been fortunate that some of the other players who maybe weren't as potent as they should have been in front of goal have kind of stepped up a little bit. Martin Odegaard being one of them. Emile Smith-Rose contributed a lot more in that sense. So I still think that Aubameyang can be and is an important player in this squad. But we're in a position now where the manager's got a difficult decision to make. But also, you've got to consider that the manager might be leaving the door open for him. But does he want to play now? Does yeah. he want to be involved now? Or is has he dug his heels in and said, I yeah. don't like the way you've treated me. I don't like the fact that you've stripped me of the captaincy. It's an embarrassment. I'm not happy with it. And I want to move. So we don't really know what the dynamic is behind the scenes. I'd have a lot of respect for Aubameyang although I've lost quite a bit of it with all these ongoing kind of disciplinary breaches. But I'd have respect for him if he was to get his head down a bit like Granite Xhaka did after a moment like this and, and just got on with it and, and started to perform to a decent level again. I, I think if he does that and he sh makes amends behind the scenes, it doesn't matter if he comes out and publicly apologises. That's We'd like that, wouldn't we, as fans? But we don't really have, um, we don't really have a, you know, a right to, to get that. But I think... If he makes amends behind the scenes and, and can somehow persuade Mikel Arteta that he can still play a part, I think we're a better squad for that. But it's it's hard because I've I've seen some people in the comments saying that this only brings positive implications. I think there are positive implications in that if players were seeing him get away with this stuff and kind of sitting there going, well, hold on a minute, it's one rule for him, one rule for everybody else, that would have been a negative. And to stop that happening or for Mikel Arteta to make a point that under his watch, it doesn't matter whether you're a Bamiyang or Callum Chambers, you're not going to get away with this. But the negative of this, and it's undeniably a negative, is that there's drama that we don't need 
in the lead up to a really, really important game. And you look mm. at the Premier League table and, I, and I've maintained all along that I don't believe Arsenal are going to finish in the top four. I said that was our absolute ceiling. But beat West Ham United tomorrow and we go above them. Man United are not playing because of their game being postponed. We could move into fourth place in the Premier League with a win over West Ham. And we do not need this crap in the lead up to a game like that. And and it's just that that's the, the worry for me that because something as big as this, as you said, this is huge. Something like this, it does send shockwaves for a dressing room. And you can never know 100% how people are going to react to it. So it is a concern. It is a worry for me. Um, and, and hopefully it's something that doesn't have too much of a big impact. Mikel Arteta, though, today, Mike, was was not going to reveal who, in his mind, will be the captain going forward. Now, my view has been that the best course of action here would be to give it to someone on a temporary basis. I think Lacazette fits that bill perfectly because he's probably not even going to be here. So you'd never be in a situation come the end of the season where you have to strip him of it to give it to someone else. So I think that's important. Oh, don't rule it out, mate. Um, don't yeah, rule it out. Well, I won't rule it out, but I think that's important. He talked about the leadership group. He pointed to the leadership group and he mentioned two players in particular, one of them being Lacazette and the other one being Granite Xhaka. Now, there's been an almighty meltdown on Twitter already for people saying, please don't give it to Granite Xhaka. Don't give it to Granite Xhaka. What's your take on Granite Xhaka? And what's your take on who should be given the captaincy? It's a really difficult one. Um, and I also think that right now, with the current state that, that the squad is in, um, and the fact that we're rebuilding, I actually don't think there are too many candidates that really, really stand out to me. Like there's no, there's no player in there that you could say, right, he, he is an absolute out and out leader. He plays every game and you can see him, you know, being here long term. I don't think there's any player that fits those three things, which is what I'd look for in our next captain. So the next thing is you look to someone experienced and who has leadership qualities and you look for them to do it on a on a temporary basis short-term basis until one of the other players in the squad has sort of proved themselves look at what will be happening now i think most of most of these players that are sort of in the conversation that who we'll, we'll talk about individually later i think they'll probably be looking at it and saying all right you know if i sort of put it put everything i've got in it now i've got the potential to be the captain of arsenal and that's a big you know, pedigree, even though, as I said earlier, I don't think this is, this is big and as important as, as it used to be back in the day, but it's still something, you know, it's, it's, it's something to, to behold, to be the captain of, you know, one of, one of the biggest clubs in, in, in England. So, you know, whatever you may, might may think about it, it's a, it's, it's, it'll be a big deal to them players. So I think really what you're looking at is probably what Arteta said. Like, I think Lacazette, I, I just think that with Xhaka, you're opening a can of worms there that you don't want to open. Um, I don't think that his future here is is long-term, um, similarly to Lacazette. But then with Lacazette, you don't have the the baggage. You know, Xhaka was, was stripped of the captaincy. It left a lot of bad blood in uh, with, with a lot of fans. You know, it was because of an, an incident to do with the fans. And I just think you're asking for trouble. I don't doubt his capability to, to do it. Um, I think he will, he'll be a good option because he plays every single game. 
Um, and he does have that sort of leadership quality within him and he plays in midfield. He, he sees a lot of the game ahead of him. And I think, you know, he would be on paper a good candidate. But I just think, like, no, I just think um, I, I'm not saying to make your decision based on based on fans. But I just don't think it's really worth the hassle. I, I just don't think it is. I, I can't see the benefits outweighing the, the negatives of this thing. Because if something blows up, if Xhaka, you know, puts in a, a bad spell of form, which we all know he can do, it's just going to be more drama again. And as you say, we need to avoid drama because we need to focus on football. I think you're right with the Xhaka thing. You know, like you, I don't doubt that he would be a good candidate. Um under sort of normal circumstances. Um, but these aren't normal circumstances. I don't know why my camera's disappeared. I've just, I think I've just knocked the wire. Bloody it's all the chat yeah. about Xhaka, mate. Yeah, it's with the Xhaka chat. Let me just pop that back in and we'll use that one for the time being. Apologies, I've uh, knocked the wire out with my foot underneath the desk, idiot. But yeah, look, it's, um, it's one of those where I think you're right. I, I don't see what he stands to gain from picking Granite Xhaka. In on the one hand, you'd say, well, if he believes he's the captain, then that's who he should go with. But nobody will ever give Mikel Arteta praise if Granite Xhaka gets the captain's armband and does well with it. But he will get criticism every time Arsenal don't perform if he gives him the armband. So it's just a lose-lose situation for Mikel Arteta. So I agree with you, although I think he is Maybe not the standout or the best candidate because of everything that's gone on. I think he is a candidate. He's part of the leadership group, as Mikel Arteta alluded to today. But I think you're right. The, the hassle is just not worth it. The heat that he'll get off the back of making a decision like that is just not worth it. And and as you said previously, because of the position that Arteta is in with a lot of the fan base, he'd be almost cutting his nose off to spite his face sort of thing. You know, it's... it's there's just no, there's just no way that it, it, it benefits from it. Uh, he benefits from it. Um, I know some of you are saying in the chat that he did say who would be the captain moving forward. He didn't reveal who would get the permanent captaincy. Let's be clear about that. Um, I'm sure you'll see it Lacazette if he plays wearing the armband against West Ham, perhaps even Granite Xhaka. But you know that's that's um, that's just a temporary thing at this moment in time. Mm. Uh, let me just quickly bring you a message uh, from our sponsors of the podcast, and then we'll turn our attentions away from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, away from the drama, and look ahead to the visit of West Ham United tomorrow. But before we do that, just a quick message from Pro Prep, who are kindly sponsoring the Chronicles of Aguna throughout the month of December. Now, Pro Prep is the perfect study tool for university students undertaking science, technology, engineering, or maths-related modules, and it can half your study time. Pro Prep provides bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course, which can be accessed from any device at any time. And it's already helped over half a million students to pass their exams. They provide customized STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. And after the videos, you can go through what you've just learned with interactive exercises and practice questions. You can even submit questions to the Pro Prep professors and receive video answers back within 24 hours. Now, Pro Prep have created a special offer just for our listeners. All you need to do is go to their website, proprep.uk slash info slash football for more information. And as a listener of the Chronicles of Aguda, you can sign up to a free 30-day trial without putting in any credit card information. So that's Pro Prep, P-R-O-P-R-E-P. 
It's the ultimate study tool. Check them out and we thank them for their kind sponsorship. Just before we move on, make sure you hit the like button if you haven't done so already. Smash it. Yes, smash it, son. Or you can caress it if you prefer to caress things, <laughs> depending on what you like. Uh, we've got 70 likes at the moment, but there's over 270 of you watching us live. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be over the 100 mark on the like. So please hit the like button and, of course, subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you are listening via the audio platforms, then do leave us a review as well. Uh, right. Mike, let's turn our attentions to the game tomorrow night, because as I mentioned already, opportunity for Arsenal to move into fourth place. What I'm wary of going into this fixture and conscious of is that if we don't get the result we want, i.e. if we drop points, if we draw, um, if we get beat, I'm worried that those who have been critical of the Arteta decision to strip Aubameyang of the captaincy are going to point to that and, and pretend that that's solely the reason. But actually, um, there's not much in it between these two sides, right? So it's it, we've got to consider that this is a pretty evenly balanced fixture, regardless of what's gone on at the club. It's going to be a huge talking point, Harry, I think, for the coming weeks. Uh maybe months um just because of the you know this the the nature of, of it all with how it sort of come out um and yeah it will dominate this fixture and you know what i am so glad that we beat southampton um you know because of the sort of football effects but mainly because like all the discourse wasn't around abamyang afterwards because i absolutely know that it, it would have been if we lost that game, I think everyone would have been, you know, on Arteta immediately saying, where's Aubameyang? Why have you not explained his absence? And, you know, luckily, in a, in a way, it's worked out from a footballing sense and from, you know, a, a personal sense uh, in that we won that game and the focus wasn't on that situation. But now, obviously, it's unavoidable. This game will be dominated by Aubameyang chat. But I think, as I said, like, the drama just needs to take the backseat because this is a huge huge game i'm going to be going as well um so for me this is a it's a massive one that i'm gonna i'm gonna be able to to watch live uh which means i won't be on twitter cussing anyone <laughs> um well I, it, I will do after the game but during the game anyway so it is yeah there's there's no escaping it it does it felt like a big game even before all of this stuff came out and it, it's still a big game because of the implications as you said could go into fourth with uh with united not playing but I'm not looking too much into that. Um, I'm obviously hoping that we we get a positive result, but I just want to see a performance because even though West Ham have been a bit up and down, it's just something about them against the against the big teams. They just perform differently. They just get themselves up for it. Uh, they beat Liverpool three two. They beat Chelsea three two, um, and I think they're going to get that sort of you know London rival, or oh, not rival, sorry, London. <laughs> club derby thing in their heads and they would just be you know they'll be doing everything in their in their power to be us i think the way they're sort of set up is you know well suited against big teams because they are a counter-attacking side they are well organized and they have the sort of weapons on the counter-attack of the pace of Mikel antonio and the sort of you know more technical players but behind him to to really to really trouble us so i am a bit concerned um, but I just hope that we, that we show up because if I think we put in the same sort of energy and men, and uh, pressing and you know the sort of mentality we had against Southampton, I think we've got we've got a good chance. But 
it's all dependent on that. Like I think regardless of what we do tactically, uh, that is got to be the main thing, the attitude. Yeah, I, I've, absolutely. I'm I'm interested to see how this one's going to pan out because I think when you looked at the, you know, a lot of people have made a big thing about the, the first goal against Southampton, that it was a, a, a typical Mikel Arteta goal in terms of what he wants and, and the way that we kind of sucked Southampton in. Uh, invited them to press us, took some risks at the back and then had the, the quality and the zip and the tempo to play around that and therefore create spaces and overloads that we then exposed. I don't think you get that from West Ham. I think West Ham are a big physical side who will just come in and sit in and, and will make us play in a very different way. So we talked a lot about a lack of creativity, a lack of guile when it comes to this Arsenal side over the years. So I'd like to, uh, well, I'm interested and curious to see how Arsenal are going to go about breaking this side down because they are very physical. You know, you chuck balls into the penalty area, they'll love that. Um, that's that's what they want. So what are Arsenal going to do differently to what they did against Southampton? Because once we invited them in and, and they're a side who clearly enjoy the pressing game, Ralph Hasenhutl is renowned for it. You knew what you were going to get. You also know what you're going to get from West Ham. It's going to be very, very different. Would you go with the same side that, that beat Southampton, I guess the only real kind of talking point is, would you bring potentially Emil Smith-Rowe back in? It's a difficult one because I think it will be a little bit harsh on, on Martinelli because he, he did perform well against Southampton and it was one of the games where he has been, you know, good, I think, for the, the majority of the time that he was on the pitch and he's a player that can sort of drift in and out of games, but he was he was good cause Tino Livramento, who's been really, really good this season, a lot of, a lot of problems um but i just think smith rowe offers us that different dynamic and a bit more sort of creativity on the ball um you know he's a bit more a bit more intelligent with his runs as well um and and offers a massive goal for it this season so i i just think there's too many factors that would rule in in favor of, of smith rowe starting ahead of, of martinelli so i think that is the change that needs to be made i think for me um you have to consider maybe if this is a game where we need Nuno Tavares. Uh, I know, I know. Maybe some people will say, you know, it's it's harsh to drop Tierney again, but I just think with a team that are going to be sitting back, and given that, g- given the team that they are, you know, they're they're explosive on the counter attack. I think you might need someone like Nuno. You might need his unpredictability going forward, but also you might need like his his athleticism going going backwards as well. So that'll that'll be an interesting call um to see if he does match them up. But for for me as well, I just think like this midfield duo need to be solid because you know Declan Rice is a is a top top player uh, next to Thomas Suchek as, as well who's 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 a big guy as well and they are a great duo. Um and I just feel like we need to be we need Thomas Party and Jacka need to have need to have a really good game if we're going to get something out of this as well it'll be interesting to see, to see Lacazette see how he performs because you never really know what Lacazette is going to is going to turn up from week to week and if he is going to be made captain he needs to show you know he needs to show that um he is he's up for it essentially and that's not you know putting in a, a performance every now and then that's turning up every single week and and you know being being the best version of himself which I think we saw last weekend so there's a there's a number of things to look look forward to I think it's been well documented as well, hasn't it, that Lacazette and Aubameyang have a, an extremely close relationship. Are you curious to see mm-hmm. how this this week's events will, will maybe rub off on him? Yeah, that's one of the ones, I think, and uh, given what I was saying earlier about how, how the players will react, I think Lacazette is is one. But 
I think we're in Lacazette's case, like Xhaka as well. He is a he is a professional beyond everything, and I think you know these guys are are been been players for years and years, and I don't think they would let friendship sort of affect something like this. Like just like when you're when you're friends with someone like Mason Mount and Declan Rice, you know you know friends for for a long long time. When they go up against each other, Chelsea West Ham, like there's no friends doesn't come into the equation so i think it it matters to an extent and off the pitch he might possibly you know be upset sympathize we we don't know but on the pitch now i think it's a it's a different matter for me yeah i think so too i think he's shown enough professionalism over the years for us not to really have a doubt about his head being in the right place but it, it will be mm. interesting just because we know how close they are you know we know that there's a very good relationship. I think a lot of people hope that their relationship would flourish into something better on the pitch. And it, it wasn't always great. You've got to be honest that there were times where Aubameyang was stuck out on the left to try and link up with Lacquer. It didn't really work. We saw the 4-4-2 for a little bit and that kind of got abandoned very, very quickly as well. So, yeah, interesting um, to see how that one uh, is going to pan out, to see how Lacazette reacts. Um Going, taking it back to the captaincy thing, because Mike, you put out a poll earlier on on Twitter, um, yeah. which you asked pe- in which you asked people who they would like to see as the new captain. So far, nearly five hundred people have voted. Tierney is leading the way with fifty three point two percent. Gabriel is behind him with twenty two percent. Lacazette twelve, Ramsdale eleven point nine. Now, I did a video, a podcast the other day on five players, I wouldn't mind seeing take over the captaincy from a Pierre and Aubameyang. And this was when we hadn't heard that he'd been stripped of it. This was when I was so livid that I wanted to talk about it. And I talked about the fact that he should be gone. And then, you know, that was, that was the kind of the, the byproduct of that. I didn't put a player in there that a lot of people have been talking about. And that player is Martin Erdegaard. And I've noticed you haven't put him in your poll yeah. either. Was there a, a specific reason for that, or was it just you ran out of options? What's your take on the Norwegian and the potential of him being given the armband? I mean, I so like like I was saying earlier, I think it's really difficult to give it to some to a player that's not been at the club for that long because you do need to prove yourself over an extended period of time. I think. To, to be able to be considered a, a captain. And you might say, oh, well, why was Ramsdale in there? Well, I think Ramsdale is a bit of a special case because he's come in and defied expectations and he's been sensational. And he is so clearly like one of the biggest leaders on, on the pitch. And you can see that, like even just watching on TV, watching the stands, after every single save, he's puffing out his chest. You know, if if someone doesn't make doesn't make the right angle for the pass, he's screaming at them. If they give him a, a, a you know a rope people back, he's screaming at them. And for me, that screams you know captain material. But again, we have to caveat that by saying he's had a good spell of form since he's arrived, but he's not done it long term. And I think that's where that's why he's probably on the lower end of of the poll that we put out. So I think Odegaard goes into that sort of category. I think he obviously like Captain Norway. We know that he has leadership qualities. We know that Arteta's spoken about him having leadership qualities. So he might be one that's in Arteta's mind for the future. But at this moment in time, I'm not particularly sure. And also, don't know about you, but I do feel a little bit funny as like a traditionalist having like midfielders as as captains. 
I just feel like it's not really a position where you're looking to like marshal the rest of the team. Like you can obviously lead the press, which he does brilliantly. And that is, you know, that's a leadership trait, but you need to be able to see the whole game and you need to be able to, and, and for that, I think and that's why I think defenders and, you know, deeper midfielders are, are probably the best captains. And, you know, I, I know we did talk about Lacazette, but I think that's just a, a short term thing. So, I'm not. I'm not particularly sure about Odegaard. I, I think definitely one to consider, but not right now. Yeah, good stuff. I I just had a drop off there in my connection. I don't know if it was me. You, you seem to continue, so that I'm sure the listeners don't know what I'm talking about. But there you go. Um, yeah, I think I think that's fair. And and I'm also wary of of adding to the burden that some of these younger players have already to the pressure and expectation and weight that they have on their shoulders already. Remember that Martin Odegaard is still. Um, deceivingly young as well. I know he seems like he's been around forever and he obviously joined Real Madrid from a very young age, which instantly put him in the limelight. But he's someone who's still finding his way, still finding his feet. And I'd, I'd prefer that we don't put that burden on him. A- another point I've made a couple of times, Mike, is imagine the incentive for the likes of Ramsdale, White, Tierney, um, you know, Gabriel, if a kind of interim appointment is made, i.e. the leadership group, the Lacazettes and the Jackers, imagine the incentive for some of those young players for the rest of the Yeah, just picking up on what Harry's saying, I think his, his connection has dropped off a little bit, but um, absolutely. And I, I mentioned this earlier, I think it's a huge, huge thing to be able to to be able to have that, you know, as, as a target for yourself, essentially. And to, to be able to look ahead to that is is massive. And as I say, it's not as big as it once was. The, the captaincy, I've said this a million times, because I still don't think it is that influential, but it's it's something for these young players to to like look look at and think, all right, this is what I need to aim for. And um, I think just touching on one of the other candidates who obviously is leading the, the poll way out um, on... 53% right now um clear of Gabriel on 22 is Kieran Tierney and we all we all love Kieran Tierney I don't think any Arsenal fan is is against Kieran Tierney but the one thing with him is that he's he's fitness so more often than not he's he's going to be missing multiple games a season and do you want to rely on that I mean you might come out and say as a, as a counter argument to that well look at Jordan Henderson like the, the last few years, he's had so many injury problems, but he's been, you know, one of the top captains and he's been there when Liverpool have got to, you know, won the Champions League and won the, won the Premier League. And he sort of steers the club um, from a sort of ambassadorial po- point of view and and on the pitch when whenever he's on it. And I think it's a sort of mix of that role these days. It's a it's a little bit, not, not political, but I think it is sort of behind the scenes as, as much as it is on the pitch. Um so yeah, I mean, I've put out that poll, Harry, and I don't really know who who I would pick because there's, there's as I say, there's not a clear one for me. Like I, I think Tierney has everything to to be a captain, and I think he's ready for it right now. But it's just it's it's the injuries and the sort of presence that that bothers me. Yeah, and going back to that that episode of the podcast, that's what my conclusion was that it that every person that you put forward, everybody that we're considering, has some kind of negative attached to them. This is, has a drawback, has a reason why they maybe shouldn't be the guy. And and that's the problem, right? So it's not an easy decision, but for me, it is one that I would think Mikel Arteta is best off delaying and, and in giving it to Lacazette when he plays or sometimes Xhaka or sometimes, you know, 
I know that Rob Holdings in that leadership group, which I know surprises a lot of people, but he was given the armband when he came on the other yeah. day. So I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of options. Kieran Tini could get the armband as well on a temporary basis as well. No doubt about that. But I think the point that you just made about, um, about the, the idea of the captain needing to be somebody who's seen in a good light as well, I think is a really valid one. I think it has massive commercial implications on a football club as well. And I know people hate talking about that side of modern football because they're, you know, they're classic. The game's gone. It's ruined. It's not the same anymore. It's been diluted, et cetera, et cetera. That is so important that your captain is an ambassador for your club. And when you've got an ambassador of your club in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who can't be bothered to come back on time, you know, he's late for North London derbies, clearly has done something else behind the scenes as well to upset the powers that be at the football club. I think that's not a good look. And I think Arsenal see it from a footballing perspective, but also from a commercial perspective, which whether you want to admit it or not, is mm. very, very important in the modern game. So, yeah, that's um, that's where we are. Before we wrap up, we're going to take a few of your questions. For the last sort of 15 minutes or so, we're going to take some of your questions from the live chat. So please, please do drop as many as you possibly can in there. Pop a cue at the beginning of the question. It just makes it easier for me to pick them out. Quick reminder that this podcast is brought to you by Pro Prep, and we're part of the 90 Min Football Network. Hit the like button on the video if you haven't done so already, if you're watching us via the video platforms. If you are listening via the audio, then please do leave us a review as well. That really helps. Oh, and of course, subscribe. Uh, but anyway, let's take some of your questions, some of your thoughts. Let me just pick a few out um, because the, the chat box has been great as always. Lots going on, lots being discussed. Um, one of the things that's come up is is we, we talk about leadership group, Mike. Unai mm. Emery talked about this, didn't he? And he got a lot of criticism for it. I was critical of it. What do you make of this whole concept of having a leadership group? Is it something that you're you're for? No, not really. I think you sort of pick your guy and and stick with him. I think leadership group is just something to fall back on. And um, even in this sort of leadership group that we've got, I, I mean, I forget who's who's really in it. But you mentioned uh, or Arteta mentioned Lacazette and uh, and Jaka, and then obviously you mentioned Rob Holding. And I, I sort of look at it and think, oh, you know, it's a bit it's a bit of nonsense, really, isn't it? It's a few players that have that have been there longer than the rest and have shown some leadership traits but are they really leaders I don't, I don't really know I think it's a bit of a cop-out and like I just I just go back like the the, the reason I keep talking about like that the, the captain seeing why it's sort of lost its purpose is because I mean I think people are forgetting that that we literally put it to a vote at, at, at one stage under um under Emery right when uh, when when Xhaka was was selected I think it was um so I mean that just shows you how how little care we have for it I think maybe with Arteta coming back to the club and he sort of, you know, hops on about the sort of uh, non-negotiables and the, and the, and the values, maybe that sort of changed things a little bit for him. And maybe for him, because he was Arsenal captain, it, it means a lot more. And that's why it's a sort of different approach and he's going to really consider it. But I don't know, leadership group, man, is, is, is something strange. Just something to quickly pick up on as well. I got this comment on, um on Twitter, Harry, which is quite interesting. And I wanted to put it to you actually, um they said uh Andrew said, Are we considering that maybe we reversed on Enketia 
because Laka is going in the summer and Aubameyang could be leaving in January. I, th- I thought that was quite interesting because for me, when Arteta was coming out and talking about Nketiah, I think it was last week or the week before, I was I was quite shocked because he publicly said, you know, um, I really want him to stay, uh, you know, and, and this is a mid like speculation that he's turned down the club's latest, latest contract and he confirmed that the contract talks are still ongoing. So it's something to consider, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. And and I found that interesting as well, that Mikel Arteta seemed to do this U-turn on Eddie Nketiah. Mm. Not in the sense of, look, he'd always used Eddie Nketiah. I think a lot of people were complaining that he was being used ahead of Balogun and saying, well, why? He's not staying at the club. So why would you use him and give him minutes ahead of someone who, who just signed on a new contract? So I think Mikel Arteta's always rated Eddie Nketiah, but now we're at a place where he seems like he's ramping up the efforts to try and keep hold of him. And perhaps it was with what's going on with Aubameyang in mind. I, I, I don't really know. Um, but yeah, you know, really interesting point. Just quickly on that leadership group thing. I'm not against the idea of having a leadership group, like a group of senior players that are kind of nominated to be maybe the go between the, the manager and the, and the rest of the squad. What I have an issue with and why Unai Emery got a lot of stick from me is because he bottled picking a captain. He bottled picking an actual captain. Now, if Mikel Arteta, come the end of the season, still hasn't named a a new captain and and continues with this leadership group bollocks, then I will give him stick as well, Um, just like I did Unai Emery. But at this point, I think he's just saying what he's saying to, to kick the can down the road to prevent him having to commit to someone now, Mm. just days after this incident has occurred, because it's all still raw. And, and it would be foolish to rush into a decision. I, I just think that's what it is this time around. I don't think the situations are, are, are particularly comparable. Let's go back over to the live chat and uh, let's take some of these questions. Um, uh, some questions on the team selection uh, ahead of the West Ham game. Merry Christmas is who comes off for ESR 10. I think you would take Martinelli out, right, Mike? Yeah, Martinelli. Yep. I think that's the sort of obvious choice for me. Cool. And then Jacker and Partey in midfield, would that be your duo? Yeah. Yeah, I think so for a game like that. I think Xhaka, um, you know, was a surprise when he when he came in for Everton, but I think he he was he was decent against Southampton. And I think yeah, I don't I don't see it. I mean, let's be honest, Xhaka plays when he's fit, end of. So I think yeah. it's never it's never even worth uh you know, debating that. I guess that maybe what Chris means is does Lokonga come in for Thomas Party? And I think if there was ever to, a game to drop him, it would be against Southampton. But he didn't do that, so to drop him now wouldn't make any sense. So no, I think them two, yeah, yeah, it would seem a little bit silly now, wouldn't it, to do it against a really physical and functional yeah. West Ham midfield? I think Xhaka gives you something there. Um, Akshay says, well, taking into consideration what's just happened with Aubameyang. Did it just become a lot more likely that we'll go out and get a big striker in January? He says letting over go would release a lot of money for transfer funds and salary. Do you think it's likely, Mike, in light of the recent events that Arsenal Mm. look to do a big deal in terms of a striker come January rather than the summer? Because prior to this incident, I was convinced it wasn't going to happen until the summer. Has your view at all sort of shifted? I think that would depend on what on what happens with Aubameyang. And just looking at it from a logical point of view, I can't see us shipping Aubameyang in January. I just don't think, even if we wanted to, which we, we don't know we do, 
Um, I don't think he'll get he'll get the suitors. I think it, he, he's got a huge, huge wage. Um, and, you know, the sort of clubs that, that have been spoken about being interested in, uh, like Barcelona and Barcelona are not going to go for him in, in January. Like they're, you know, struggling financially at, at the moment. So I don't really see too many teams that are going to they're going to come back in for him in January. And I think if we were to get a striker and it, it would hinge on him. And also, we don't really know, as you mentioned earlier, what's going to happen with Aubameyang. Is he going to sort of completely, you know, put his head down and, and you know, work his way back into the team? And then it's it's too up in the air. And I just think like in January, deals are notoriously hard to, to do. Um, so, no, I can't see it, unfortunately, but I'm I'm hoping. Yeah. I feel the same. Uh, let's take a couple more. Um, uh, Yinka says, uh, where do you see Arsenal finishing this season? I've answered this question a few times in the last few days, Mike. So I'll let you take this one away. Oh, it's a it's a really hard one because we are just so inconsistent. And, you know, I've been so up and down this season and I try to like be as objective as possible. But, you know, after the first three games, it was... You know, the whole reaction was Arteta out, Arteta out, lost our first three games of the season. And then we won that 10-game unbeaten run and it was all the way up there again. Um, and then we lose to Manchester United, Everton and, and Liverpool and it's back down. So it's really difficult to say. It's like what Arsenal are going to turn up? Um, what will this drama with with Aubameyang sort of sort of do to, to the squad and the performances? If, if, if I had to, like, guess now, I mean, I think we we can finish sixth i think that is probably uh as as good as we will do to be honest i can't see us finishing in the top four and i, I don't even think sixth would be a bad a, a bad result you know getting back into the champions um, into champions league <laughs> back into the europa league i'm wishing a man can that. dream yeah magazine yeah back back into the europa league would would be decent for our sort of you know upwards curve so yeah i think i'll go sixth Cool. Yeah, I think around about sixth as well. I think fifth or sixth is is probably realistic. I think we're good enough to do it. I just hope that we can we can keep up the consistency levels required. Um, anything above that would be a wonderful season. But I think fifth or sixth mm. is a, is probably about right. Uh, let's take one more question. Um, I did see a good one, and I've just lost it. Uh, uh, Ray Anderson says, uh, and I guess it's the final kind of question on, on the Aubameyang thing. It's a nice way to wrap up the show. Do we think that Aubameyang has more disciplinary breaches that we don't know about? I, I can't say, Ray, for definite that there was. And we know of a, a couple of incidents or a couple of sort of moments whereby his, his kind of professionalism was questioned. But I think when you look at that club statement, I think you're, you've got to feel as though that there's something more to this than Aubameyang getting on a plane, going away, supposedly to collect his mother and returning the morning before training rather than returning the night before. There's got to be something more to this, in my opinion. That's my gut feel, but I don't know that mm. 100%. So I don't want to be spreading lies or anything like that. But is your gut feel the same, that there must be more to this? I yeah, I mean, I really don't know. I mean, the as you say, like there's important wording in that statement, even though it was only very brief. Like w what you said earlier, his about latest as long as my homework used to be that. <laughs> his, his latest disciplinary breach was uh was interesting, and then when he said 
we expect all our players, particularly our captain, to work to the rules and standards we have all set and agreed. I mean, yeah, that that's damn that's really really damning for him because that's a big that's a big thing to say about about one of your players. I mean, when do you ever see statements like that, like digging out your captain, essentially? You know, so there must there there must be something that that's that's gone on. Maybe we'll see it in the in the Amazon doc. Maybe we won't. But yeah, we're we're just speculating, man. Like we we don't know. Maybe it will come out, and maybe look. It's it's interesting because I thought that um, with with Mesut Özil, we were all convinced that that something was was going on behind the scenes um, that you know forced him out out of the team because it was like at, at at the drop of a hat. But it you know he's left now. He's he's been gone for a while, so he's not contracted to the club, and nothing's really come out. So it's, it's it's whether there was something that that hasn't come out, or whether there there just wasn't. Maybe it, it was just purely tactical reasons. But yeah, I mean, I hope we find out if if there is something. But I don't know. We can't really say, can we? No, no, we can't. Um, uh, Sam says, I think that's what happened. But then his reaction to the punishment has been poor, and he's thrown his toys out of the pram. I think there's a good possibility that that is. Um, that is a, a, a possibility. Uh, yeah. I don't want to say that's a possibility that that is a possibility, but you know what I'm trying to say? Um, <laughs> poor, poor grammar from me. Yeah. Look, it's a, uh, it's a hard one. It's, it's a really hard one. It's a really difficult situation. And just to kind of circle off when we were talking about where Arsenal could or should finish, um, Isaac says, what happens if we drop below sixth? Well, for me, I've made it clear that if we don't finish in the top six, then the club will be within reason to pull the trigger on Mikel Arteta. Um, is that a, an opinion you subscribe to, Michael? God, my, I don't think anyone calls me Michael except my mum, but that was really, really weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we sort of spoke about it last week, didn't we, when we were doing our sort of uh, where we are on Arteta. And we both sort of said, you know, if there's no progress this season, um, i.e., you know, even finishing two places above eighth, like there's got to be a, a serious conversation. And then if there is a coach that 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 crops up of a of a world class uh, caliber, then then we would have to swoop in for him, and we'd be silly not to. So yeah, I I do agree there will be a serious inquiry, and Arteta would be in big danger of of uh, losing his job if that does happen. But I, I'm I'm hoping it doesn't. I think the the squad is sort of good enough now. I've seen. I want to say I've seen enough because it has been dire at times, but I've seen elements um, mm. that we are good enough to, to to sort of, you know, grind out those results. And at the end of the day, like, if you're looking at it, to finish in the in the top six, you don't really need to be beating the, the top four. Like, you can pretty much rule that out. It's just beating the teams, you know, below and in and around you that we need to get better at. And we've not done that this season. So that's why I think, West Ham is a is a litmus test essentially to see if we're at that level and uh and, and how we can move on. So yeah, it'll be interesting to yep. see. For sure. Uh right, we are going to leave it there. Uh we've been uh, rambling on for the best part of an hour. Uh thank you to everybody who's tuned in. Thank you to everybody who's in the live chat as always, fueling us with lots of great discussion points and questions and criticism as well, but that's good too. Uh, Mike, let everybody know how they can follow you and keep up to date with your excellent work. Yeah, so at Mike underscore Stavru on Twitter. I'm kind of thinking like, you know, give me a break from the drama, but at the end of the day, drama gives us stuff to talk about and uh, and debate about. So it is what it is. 
It is what it is. And I've got to be honest, this year without European football, with one less game a week, most weeks, it's been hard to, to kind yeah. of maintain the content level. So I get what you're saying, but hopefully it's positive stuff that we're talking about moving forward rather than shit like this. But it is what it is. It's the Arsenal. Never a dull day in the Arsenal world. Uh, as you can see, uh, we're going to be back very, very soon with more Arsenal related content. I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, that is Wednesday uh, in the morning around about 11 a.m. We'll be uh, running through the team and, and a few other bits and pieces ahead of the West Ham game. I've started doing YouTube shorts, which I've never done before, but I've been told that people like them. So I'm going to do a YouTube short from the Emirates Stadium when the team news is announced tomorrow. And I'll do one post-match as well for you guys to enjoy while I make my way home uh, and get ready for the proper full-length podcast. So keep your eyes peeled for them. Have a look at them. Let me know what you think about them. Uh, get involved. They are only on YouTube. So if you're an audio listener, you won't see those pop up in your feed. Uh, they're literally available on YouTube only. But yeah, check them out. I will catch you all soon. Uh, Mike, thank you. As always, we'll be back very, very soon with more. Until next time, take care of yourselves and stay safe. All the best. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.